Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Hello, and welcome to our program, Lifestyle Improvement. This is your host, Rebecca. Today, we have with us Nancy Kreisman. Ms. Kreisman is a licensed clinical social worker and private practice practitioner who has worked with the geriatric population and their families for over 35 years. She has presented workshops on caregiving all across the United States and taught courses in Kennesaw State University. She has also written three books, Mindful Connections, The Caring Spirit Approach to Elder Care, and The Mindful Caregiver, Finding Ease in the Caregiving Journey. Hello, Nancy. Thank you for coming to join us today at Lifestyle Improvement. We know you're a very busy presenter and you present many workshops in the subject of dementia. So we're thankful that you have come to our program today and to give our listeners some pointers on what it means to be a mindful caregiver. Before that, please tell us, because I'm very interested, based on your book that has so many great ideas, what is your story as a caregiver? Well, interestingly, um, I didn't really get involved as a caregiver until I was midway into my work. Um, You know, people said to me, did you write this book? because you were taking care of your mom. And I said, not really. I mean, I, I have always had a heart and a passion for helping caregivers learn to take better care of themselves, because I realized very early on in my work that that was what was missing for, for caregivers. They were very focused on taking care of the care recipient and just not factoring any any time or anything into taking care of themselves. And when I would ask them the question, you know, why why aren't you taking care of yourself? They'd say, because I don't have the time. And I knew that that was not the answer. And then when my mom was diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's, um, she was only 72 years old. And I was midway into my career. And it gave me the most amazing insight Um, and understanding, which I think oftentimes only happens when you go through it kind of yourself, even though it's very important, and I tell this to families all the time, that my experience is my experience. And every caregiver has their own unique experience. But one of the things that I determined very quickly with my mom well, she was, she was somebody who was a very spirited person. She was very creative and musical and was a writer herself. And I knew that what happens with Alzheimer's, because I've watched it enough in in different sorts of dementias, is that people, it appears that people lose their their sense of spirit. Um, And it's not that they they lose it, it's just that nobody taps into it. Because they automatically assume that once somebody has dementia, they're not as smart anymore, they're not as capable. And, you know, and they've kind of been like the forgotten gotten group of people. It's very disturbing to me. And I had a feeling because my mom was young and she was in good health that she was going to live with Alzheimer's for quite some time. And indeed she did. She lived for almost 17 years. So I made a commitment to myself that I was going to really try to tap into her spirit and my spirit and find ways that we could connect throughout the entire illness, even 
to the point when she got to a place where she didn't remember who I was or, you know, spent a lot more time sleeping. It's I, I knew that the heart and the spirit is always available if you can tap into it. And I wanted to figure out ways. I realized just as important as it was to tap into her spirit, I needed to find a way to take care of my spirit. And interestingly, in social work school, you know, we were taught um, as a social worker, the emotional side of everything, but never the spiritual side, the spirit side. And um, not so much, I should say. I mean, not never, but not so much. And I knew that I had to focus on if I was going to really take care of myself, I had to fill my spirit as well. I had to find because caregiving can be depleting. So that's kind of what got me going here. And then when I noticed how this impacted my mom's life and my, my life, I started sharing this with my clients. And it was connecting to people. They were It was clicky. That's a great story. Really, most of us caregivers, if we have had any development from this experience that we want to bring to others so they, it, they can feel some help, it has come out of our own suffering, hasn't it? Yes. And, um, and, and the, the other thing that the reason I came up with this whole title of mindful caregiver is I recognized pretty quickly in my experience with my mom that I really needed to be mindful that, and then I started exploring, this is back in 2012, because I wrote the book that came out in 2014 and mindfulness still, it was, it was becoming more popular and people were, you know, looking at it more carefully and seeing its effects, but really the caregiving arena didn't really get involved in it that much. And and one of the things that I I wanted to make sure that I did with this was that I was able to give caregivers a way of using mindfulness that could work for them. But there are ways at the same time to be mindful and to incorporate mindfulness that can take minutes and make a major difference in your life. What was that moment when you decided, you know, I need to write a book about this. This is really important and it needs to be said. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of it had to do with um, my clients because I kept on noticing over and over and over that, you know, we talk about caregiver burnout, but really what's most disconcerting to me is what I call caregiver numb out. And the reason that people numb out is because they're not aware. They, they're not conscious. They, they just keep on, you know, it's sort of like the ever-ready battery. They just keep on going and going and going and doing and doing and doing. And they don't slow down. They don't pay attention. You know, they're, um, they're not mindful. They're not. And, and that's when I said to myself, my gosh, this is what's missing. And I've got to incorporate mindfulness into this book. And I've got to do it in a way that people, it's palatable, that people can, you know, utilize it comfortably. And that's why I have um, in one of the self-care chapters, I have a whole thing on understanding breathing and the importance of breath. So before we go there, I actually want to go back, Nancy, because like you were saying, mindfulness is a word that has a lot of definitions for a lot of people. And a lot of yes. people do connect it with meditation. But mindfulness is can be as simple 
And to me, really, that is like the simplest way to look at it as just being aware, being present. To me, when I started working with my clients and even, you know, paying more attention to my own mindfulness for myself, it's it really is learning how to pay attention and to stay in the moment and to do it in a non-judgmental way. If you're sad, it's okay. If you're happy, you know, um, it's honoring uh, intentionalness, you know, to be intentional and um, so that you can fully experience yourself in the life around you. Uh, It helps you to slow down, absolutely, which then allows you to do a better job of making better decisions for yourself, you know, and for your care um, recipient. And it helps to balance. And, you know, one of the things that I, it, it took me a long time to come up with my title because the word ease, in my opinion, that's what mindfulness does for you. It helps you find some ease. You're not going to get rid of the stress, but if you can lessen it and if you can bring an ease into your heart and your, your spirit. To me, that's how I define mindfulness. Exactly. And, you know, you said two words that to me are significant in the life of a caregiver. Slow down. (laughs) Because I think that really as caregivers, I think it's really hard to do that. Because you're constantly thinking about what the needs are of someone else. And a lot of those times, the needs are quite significant. And they require a lot of constant care. And some of it is emergency care. So slowing down is something that you literally have to do consciously. Yes. Because otherwise, you're just running. So the slowing down, I think, is really important. And I think is a significant factor. Because when you slow down, then you kind of have the time to pay a little better attention and become more aware of what you're doing, correct? This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break, and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com improvement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387 extension 101 that again is 877-957-7387 extension 101 for an initial free phone consultation lifestyle improvement occupational therapy we're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed So the slowing down, I think, is really important and I think is a significant factor because when you slow down, then you kind of have the time to pay a little better attention and become more aware of what you're doing, correct? Absolutely. And and the other thing that it's very important to point out in this is that the other factor about mindfulness that can really help caregivers is is recognizing, because what mindfulness does 
is it brings you back to yourself. And so often what I find for caregivers is that they lose themselves and they lose their life. I mean, it amazes me. They lose their spirituality. You know, caregivers will say to me, I don't have time to go to church because I got to take, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, there's something very wrong with this picture. And, and so it's, it's like, you know, self-care is, it's a necessity. It is not an option. You have to take care of yourself and you owe it to yourself. I mean, that's, you know, women, and I have to say 80% of caregivers are women. You know, we have another part of mindfulness that is that I, you know, when I use mindfulness with the caregivers and I can get them to, to sit for a minute and take a breath, you know, take, you know, and slow down, then they get in touch with so much about, you know, they, they, oh my gosh, you know, my, my body, it's tired. They don't even realize how tired they are, you know? I, I do. I, I do totally understand. You know, as caregivers, Nancy, sometimes it's very easy, like you just said, to get lost in so many emotions that you don't even recognize are happening to you. Like, you know, caregivers have struggle with being worried all the time, with being afraid, with having anxiety. And because they don't have the time to be aware of what they're feeling, they just sometimes are very reactive instead of responding to the situation in a healthier way, correct? So that would be one of the dangers in not being aware that you would be more reactive versus responsive, would you think? And, you know, it, it reminds me of, I was sitting with a caregiver in my office and she came in and she was just overwhelmed. You know, she didn't know where to start. She, um, and, and so I asked her this question, this is what really frightened me and it made me even more um, determined to get, you know, some mindful caregiver workshops out there for people. Because we started to ask her, you know, where do you feel depleted? And she was very good at sort of saying that. But then when I said, well, what would, what could you do to fill your spirit? She could not articulate. She could not answer it. She was so numbed out, you know, is the word I use, which is more dangerous than burnout. Because when you burn out, you actually end up stopping. You say, hey, I can't do this anymore. But when you numb out, you get so, you just keep on going and then you just completely lose yourself. And that's what she, I mean, it was the most powerful session for her because she recognized how numb she was. I think that that is one of the greatest dangers about being a caregiver and a caretaker yeah. in which you are constantly giving and not having time to replenish. As someone that definitely needs that spiritual connection, I know how when I don't do that on a daily basis, uh, when I don't pray, yeah. I definitely feel depleted. So that is one of those things that we have to be consciously thinking about. So we have to support our spirit, our heart, our minds, and our bodies. But I want to say something to that, though. And that is um, where I think that I, I go the extra step in a way with caregivers is a lot of the books talk a lot out of you know, quite a bit about, um, you know, taking care of yourself, reducing your stress so that you can be a better caregiver. And what I say to people is it's not about being a better caregiver. It's being a better person because when I bring families together and I have grandkids sitting in there, they'll say to me, 
well, grandma is always so busy taking care of grandpa, she doesn't have time for me. And so you lose, and this is the piece that's, that doesn't get talked about enough. Caregivers lose themselves. You know, I, I can't say that enough. And, um, and that is, you know, once you do that, you're almost you're almost dead yourself, you know. Correct. You know, I talked to a uh, an author once. She took care of her husband for many years that was um, dying, and one of the things that she said to me that was really interesting was that she felt she was dying with him because so much of her was invested into this process, and that was really significant. But it's very real for a lot of caregivers. You feel like you you get so involved and in it is it becomes such a part of you that you feel you're going through the process with them as well sometimes i know sometimes caregivers feel like they're aging with the people the people they care for so you're correct you get lost and that's where you lose that connection between what's important for you to do so that you stay healthy would you say that that is what makes your book different from the rest of the caregiver books out there i really think so and and I think that um, the other thing that, that I'm able to, to help these folks with is to really come up with some different ideas about self-care. Um, you know, you kind of hear the same old, same old stuff. Um, you know, you got to do things that are that you enjoy doing or, you know, you got to take the time for yourself or you have to stop doing certain things or whatever. And what I was trying to to find for my for my folks in this book was looking at things like what are what are ways to self soothe your you know what 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 are the things that bring you comfort and ease and how can you begin to incorporate them you know just little bits of this into your life um, you know and looking at how do you become more of a self full person and you know, and the way I describe that is so often what, what I see happening with a lot of caregivers is they become selfless. You know, they worry that they're being selfish, but they're really being selfless. They're giving everything to the care recipient and not holding on to anything for themselves. Selfful is being, again, it's using mindfulness, being able to step back, slow down enough and say, you know, do I really need to do this or not? Could somebody else do this instead of me? You know, when, when caregivers talk about not taking, there's never enough time, it's because they're not slowing down enough to take a look at, you know, like the first chapter in the book talks about the caregiver role. You know, not everybody is suited to be a caregiver. And, and yeah, people will say, well, I don't have a choice. And that's often the truth. But that doesn't mean you still can't develop a circle of support around the care recipient so you're not doing everything. And especially if you don't want to be doing it or you don't like doing it or you're not comfortable doing it, you know? So I, you know, people laugh about this, but I often will sort of fire caregivers you know, and they'll look at me stunned, but then they get it that, you know, I'll say, you know, maybe this person can do this. Oh, I never really thought about it. I, I wanted to point out something else that I, I started to really get in touch with. And this was through my own experience. And I call it entrenched caregiver beliefs. So, you know, I'll give you this, the story. And it's so crazy, it, you know, when you think about it. 
So like my mom was ended up in a nursing home, um, you know, because of her Alzheimer's and she also had had a stroke and she really needed that type of support and care. But I had this thing, this entrenched caregiver belief that I had to be there every weekend, no matter what, you know, um, because the winds were not as, you know, staffed the same way and I had more time, you know, and, you know, and, and, and I would make myself crazy because there would be things that I would get invited to do or that I'd want to do. I'm not saying I spent all weekend, but I'm saying that it took up an hour, two or three of my time. And and the point was, what did it matter to my mother? I mean, you know, to be very honest with her dementia, she didn't know what was Monday or Saturday or, you know. And, And so I got in touch with that was an entrenched caregiver belief that I felt I had to do. And I felt so guilty the first weekend I didn't go. It's so amazing that you bring that up because that's exactly the next question I was going to ask you, Nancy. In your opinion, why do caregivers have such a difficult time accepting their own needs without struggling with feelings of guilt? I have a section in my book where I talk about guilt. And what I, I think that guilt is a very healthy emotion. If, it, if you allow it, again, being more mindful and saying to yourself, okay, why am I feeling guilty. You know, is what what truth is in is in this? You know, is it going to make a difference if I don't go on a Saturday or if I go on a Saturday? And you know, teasing out what is behind this guilt and 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 not judging it either. Um, you know, look at there were many times just placing my mom in the nursing home I felt guilty. And that's a normal feeling. And so I try to normalize guilt for people, but guilt can sabotage you from making the appropriate decisions and choices and certainly in taking care of yourself if you give into it so much that, you know, it it it, it takes over. Well, I think when guilt becomes a worry to the point that it makes you dysfunctional, then absolutely there's no use for that at all, Correct. right? <laughs> and and sometimes I think people and, and caregivers don't love when I say this, like when I'm giving my mindful caregiver workshops, I'll say to them, you know, sometimes I think people hide behind guilt because it then gives them the opportunity to not have to make a decision or to not have to do something um, or or to or to have to maybe make a change that you don't want to make. You know, and here's one other very important thing. Our culture has certain expectations of caregivers and caregivers. And this is something I talk a lot about as well. Now, caregivers do things because they think that they're supposed to, because that's what the culture says. So you should feel guilty. And I say, thou shalt not should on thyself. You know, um, these shoulds and these oughts, you know, really bring you down. And, and and they're kind of behind, you know, they they stoke the guilt. You know, I think that um, one important thing to say here is that what we're talking about is the kind of guilt that makes you dysfunctional, not, of course, uh, that sense that if something is wrong and if you're probably not performing or doing the best that you can, as far as doing the right thing as a caregiver, you know, then maybe you have some sense, oh, this is wrong, I shouldn't do that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this guilt, almost self-punishment, that you're just not doing enough. That's the kind of yes. guilt that I think we're talking about. Well, what I think happens is that, again, it's it, it has a lot to do with the entrenched caregiver beliefs that you hold on to. Some of these come from your family and from, you know, way back. Um, I, you know, I promised my mother or father that I would never put them in a nursing home or that I, you know, our spouse will say I promised I'd always be there no matter what. And I think that... Um, this is this is real, you know, caregiver guilt is 
very different from other kinds of guilt. And again, I think it, it tends to be, um, it, there's so many different things that infuse it, you know, like your cultural background, your religious beliefs, your family background, the societal expectations, and then, you know, what you end up believing in terms of your own self. And that's why I really talk a lot about learning how to be more self-full. So that self-full, because I never really did um, describe what it means, but it's essentially recognizing, yes, let's say, as an example, your care recipient does need you to help them with certain things, but recognizing also that other people might be able to to help, that you don't have to do it all. And so being self-full is that you're not being selfish. You're still keeping in mind what the person needs, but you're also standing up for yourself and taking care of yourself too. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101, because care starts with you. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part one of our interview with Nancy Kreisman. Ms. Kreisman is a licensed clinical social worker and private practice practitioner who has worked with the geriatric population and their families for over 35 years. She has presented workshops on caregiving all across the United States and has taught courses in Kennesaw State University. She has also written three books Mindful Connections, The Caring Spirit Approach to Elder Care, and The Mindful Caregiver, Finding Ease in the Caregiving Journey. Don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for part two of our interview with Nancy Kreisman.